So good news on the healthcare front in this province. The top doctor, Dr. Kieran Moore, says flu season has peaked. But there is speculation that in the new year, we can be faced with another onslaught of influenza and COVID. Dr. Nadia Alam is a family doctor and past president of the Ontario Medical Association, regular contributor here at Toronto this weekend. She joins me now. Hey, Dr. Nadia. Hi, Maggie. How are you? Good, good. Healthy right now, which is which is great to hear. Hey, let's first start off. We're going to talk about, you know, the flu season and all that. But I want to first start off with Bill 7, this, you know, mm-hmm. more beds, better care act before we get into the other news. So Ontario has freed up 3,414 hospital beds this fall by moving elderly patients who no longer need acute care into nursing homes which has resulted in a lot of pushback. Uh, you know, the hope was that it would it would mean that there were shorter wait times for beds within the hospitals. Um, but it, it's just uh, it's just a mess, Dr. Nadia. And and it's forcing a lot of people out of their area, out of, you know, their region. What are your thoughts on this? So I have the incredible privilege of taking care of a number of elder of our elders in Halton Hill. And it frustrates me to see bills like this because many elders struggle with loneliness, struggle with feeling not just alone, but feeling like they're a burden. They have nothing more to give. And so they really rely on visits from their family to help connect them back into a vibrant life. This bill frustrates me because you're basically treating elders like widgets, you're just shuffling them around trying to make a bed somewhere. And to, for families to have to travel when you're working, when you're taking care of kids, when you may be taking care of your other older adult parent um, and may not be able to make the drive to see someone you love in a nursing home has a huge impact. And then to hear this kind of news, many people, many physicians who take care of elders, whether it's in a nursing home, retirement home, or independently living, we look at this and we think, well, of course it didn't work. Yeah. Of course, this is not surprising at all. You can't fix the entire healthcare system by focusing on one piece of it. Just doesn't work that way. Yeah, and, and the fact that you, that a hospital could be allowed to move an elderly patient away mm-hmm. up to seventy kilometers mm-hmm. outside of the region. And then to add on top of that, it says that uh, hospitals can charge patients who are cleared for discharge but refuse to leave a daily charge of $400. And so there really isn't any agency in this as well if, you know, a patient says, no, I don't want to go to this nursing home and, you know, 70 kilometers away from my home. And I can say this, Margie, it's not because hospitals are such great places to live. Not because hospitals have such great food. People don't stay in hospitals because they want to. It's because there isn't a better alternative. For one, our home care program in Ontario, much of the workers are trying, and I see them trying. I see them exhausted and working beyond what they were supposed to and what they had agreed to just to help people whom they care deeply about. There's not enough of them. Our home care program has been neglected in Ontario for a very long time. And so you've got elders, you've got parents who are caregivers, you've got kids who are trying to help take care of their grandparents and great-grandparents, but it's not enough. When an older adult becomes very frail and has very complex needs, regardless of whether they have 
illnesses like dementia or heart failure or kidney failure, they need a lot of assistance. And assistance at home isn't possible. So where else are they going to go? They're going to end up in hospital. Yeah. A charge of 400 bucks a day is a slap in the face because you're not actually giving them what they deserve, what they've earned by living in Canada for decades and paying into a system that no longer takes care of them. I think it's a great point too, Dr. Nadia, the fact that, you know, the respect factor of our elders, right? And treating them with respect mm-hmm. after all that they've given to our society, to our communities. But you touched on something that I would love to tap into a little bit more. You talked about home care and that that hasn't been um, invested in enough. I mean, I know of many people who were personal support workers and that was a thing. And I don't know if it's still as fledgling as it was a number of years ago. But yeah, has there been enough uh, investment in home care, in taking care of our elderly in their homes if they are there? I remember as a university student, um, I paid my way through university, one, by working with a child with autism, mm. and two, by working as the PSW, taking care of a personal support worker, taking care of frail adults in the community through the Ontario March of Dimes. Mm. And I loved it. I loved being there and working with people who it sometimes felt had been neglected by society, but who had so much to give back. And, and we were lucky with the Ontario March of Dimes, there was a significant amount of support to allow independence um, for these adults. I don't see that in home care. And I think one of the things that frustrates me about the pandemic, Maggie, is that we've heard these terrible things about health systems crashing right in the beginning of the pandemic and through the pandemic. And the focus has always been on the hospital system. Mm-hmm. And so we become kind of myopic, right? We only look at the hospital system as a marker of what our healthcare system is doing. We should also be looking and perhaps more so what we're doing in the community to help keep people out of the hospital. And home care is such a huge piece of it. Yeah. It's such an enormous piece of it. It's not just about helping someone with their daily needs, including bathing and feeding. It's about giving them company, giving them dealing with the loneliness. I was reading an article today about this project in Saskatoon where um, they're holding joint classes between grade six students Mm. or grade school students and and older adults Mm. or elderly. And it was incredible because both sides had so much to give to each other. And that's what we need to recognize. Our, Our elders shouldn't be just shoved away into you know, isolation and ignored and like they were, they should be celebrated for what they can give to us. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, this whole more beds, better care act Mm -hmm. seems, yeah, like just rash decisions that have not really taken into consideration, again, the needs, community, and just even talking to people like you, you know, people are actually on the front lines who are actually dealing with patients and their needs every single day. Okay. Let's move on to (laughs) <laughs> the flu season has apparently peaked. Uh, the head doctor, top doctor, uh, Kieran Moore, says that we are we've we've hit the we've hit the peak. We're we're out of the clear at least for now. Let's listen to what he had to say. There is some good news, and I know I know our health system is working day in day out to provide care to Ontarians. But from my vantage point, looking at data at a population level in Ontario, some of the trends are heading in a better direction. And, and I do think that there, there, there may be less pressure on the acute care sector in the coming days. 
So, Dr. Nadia, what does that mean? I mean, you know, when when the top doctor says that, all of a sudden people start relaxing a little <laughs> and they think, oh, well, then I don't have to be as, you know, uh, diligent about being careful and wearing masks and doing all of those things. I, I, I mean, you could hear the sarcasm in my laughter. <laughs> <laughs> it is clear what I think about it. Uh-huh. I mean, after I was clinic, I have never seen it so slammed with people who were genuinely sick. They're not there for prescription refills and things like that. They're there because they're sick. They just don't want to go to the ER. They're hoping that an intervention in the after hours clinic will prevent them from going to the ER. And they've done everything they were supposed to. They've isolated so that they don't spread the illness around. They've taken Tylenol, Advil to help control their symptoms. They've hydrated. They're still getting sicker. And so they end up in after hours clinics and seeing doctors like me. Um, While I think it's lovely to think that we're over the hump. Yeah. I, the numbers don't show the reality that people are struggling with. Families are still watching viruses, whether it's the flu, whether it's RSV, whether it's other cold and cold, common cold viruses, or through entire households, and they're getting pretty sick. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not well, and they know that they don't want to go to the ER. They don't want to sit there waiting for hours and hours and hours. They're trying to do everything right. So hearing that, while it's a ray of hope, I, I feel it's a bit premature to say, go ahead and relax. Mm. It kind of reminds me of how in the beginning of the pandemic, we'd be like, oh, yeah, go away to, you know, our, our authorities would be like, yeah, yeah, go away to March break. It's totally fine. And then the next day they would pull the emergency act and say, no, no, yeah. <laughs> this is actually not fine. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then I want to hear some tips on how we could protect ourselves during the holidays. We're talking to Dr. Nadia Alam. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. We're back with Dr. Nadia Alam, family doctor and past president of the Ontario Medical Association. So, Dr. Nadia, we were talking about, you know, just being prepped and ready for the holiday season as we're meeting family, friends, we're having, you know, holiday parties so, you know, as we just said, Dr. Kieran Moore has said that we have hit, uh, <laughs> we've hit the peak when it comes to the flu season. You're a little more skeptical about that statement. So how do we prep ourselves then to make sure that we are, you know, going through the rest of the holiday season healthy? Sure. Well, um, Maggie, do you have plans for the holidays? I do. Yeah. Oh, awesome. So what are you going to do? Well, mostly staying like close to home, but having people mm-hmm. over. So I, you know, get I'm hosting people um, over at my home throughout the holidays. And I think that's like a lot of people. Yeah. Like I'm going to be going to my in-laws. I'm going to go to my parents. Um, and so I'm going to take as many precautions as I can to help keep them safe and keep my kids from passing stuff on. Yes. That's what kids do. Right. Um you're right. It's a bit too premature to say that we're in the t- and all in the clear and we can just relax and no longer be vigilant. But doing things like washing your hands every time you touch a surface, every time you touch your nose, every time you touch your eyes, because think I is going around now. And, um, and making sure that if you're sick, you do isolate. Those kinds of things still make a big difference. We saw that through the pandemic. We're going to see it now. Many countries have continued to recommend these kind of efforts 
even if they don't mandate them, there's no laws around having to wear masks or hand washing or whatever. We know that this works to stop the spread of illness. So being in close quarters with in a public space, wearing a mask helps. As soon as you leave, sanitize your hands, wash your hands, take some vitamin C. If tangerines are in season, they're great mm-hmm. to help give your immune system a boost. Do some nasal rinses. It's kind of like washing your nose. You wash your hands, you wash your nose with some of the germs, and so they don't have a chance to take root. Um, making sure that if you're sick, you isolate. If you're going to cough, cough into your elbow rather than into someone's face. Um, if you're going to wipe your nose, use a tissue, wash your hands. Little actions like that yeah. add up to make a big difference. So are you suggesting that if we're going over to you know, someone's home for the holidays that we should wear a mask during our time there? No, I'm, I'm saying more in public spaces. Okay, public spaces. Where you don't know okay. someone, right? Like if you know your fam- family and friends are yep. generally doing well, then and they've been taking precautions too, it's pretty safe to let down your guard around them. Okay. Knowing that <laughs> it's not a perfect solution, right? It's There's a chance that going to someone's Christmas dinner might mean that you catch a cold afterwards or you might even catch the flu afterwards. Yeah. But you can't be, you can't have a zero risk holiday. Right. You have to balance the fun with the work. Yeah. Yeah. And just, yeah. And being wise about who you're seeing. Okay. So the province also expanded eligibility for the bivalent booster to kids five to 11. Thoughts on that? Are you going to, are your kids going to get the booster? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And mainly because my parents are elderly. One of my kids has asthma. Little considerations like that, that increase their risk of having a more severe illness. They've all had the flu shot. They've all had their usual vaccines. They take the usual precautions, but they're also going to get their COVID boosters. Because as a community member, as as a physician who sees frail patients and sick patients all the time, I need to make sure that I stay healthy to continue taking care of not just my family, but my community. I I can't take a day off. Healthcare has to run 24-7. So I need to stay as healthy as possible. And my kids know that. So they wear masks in school. They're very strict about hand washing. We've been very lucky this cold and flu season. We've only gotten sick twice. Mm. And a lot of these efforts are from these small actions and making sure we're up to date on our vaccines. What are you going to do? Are you planning to get the booster? I am. So I have the booster. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but excellent. yeah, I'm thinking definitely I'll get make sure the kids get the booster as well. Um, I yeah. think it doesn't hurt at all. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, as we're talking about layers of protection, um, <laughs> So we talked about how apparently we've hit the peak, but in early <laughs> January, the province's top doctor also recommend, also said that we could face uh, another wave of COVID-19. And so, you know, and that seems to always happen, Dr. Nadia, when the kids start going back to school in the new year, we get, you know, this kind of surge again as well of COVID and the flu because they're just back with each other. And so layers of protection, obviously, the, the, uh, the booster. But does that also mean, can you get the flu shot right after you get the booster? What are the recommendations getting the flu shot and the booster? Should you do that? Could you do that together as well to protect your kids going into January? You can. It doesn't hurt. It depends. Some people recommend separating it with about by four weeks. Okay. Four I don't weeks. know that we have the time to separate it. Yeah. Right. You want to get and it means that you're going to get a vigorous immune response, which means after the shots, 
you may get a temperature, you may get muscle pain, um, you may feel a bit miserable for a day or two as your body adjusts and your immune system ramps up and, and gets ready to go. It's kind of like the warm-up session, right, in a, in a sports Okay, I'm terrible at sports analogies. <laughs> Don't look at me because I'm horrible at them too. <laughs> I, was, I was on a roll and then I was like, yeah, I don't know what sports analogy here. <laughs> bail, bail, bail. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a warm up, right? You're, right. you're going to react. You should react because it's your immune system priming itself. Yeah. And that means that when the game is on, when you actually face the flu, when you face COVID, your body will be ready to play a better game and to be able to get through much more quickly your line of defense or your defensemen or defense women or, you know, the people who defend you are going to be that much stronger. And I think one of the things we have to do as a community is realize that it's not just about COVID anymore. COVID is one of the major illnesses you can get at this time of year. And so it behooves us to realize that this should become part of our routine, taking care of ourselves, staying as healthy as possible, using public hygiene methods and and public safety measures to protect ourselves, protect our loved ones, protect our community. This should just become a habit because it's healthy. There's nothing wrong with cleaning surfaces and washing hands and wearing a mask in close quarters in public spaces. Like those are actually really good practices to adopt. Absolutely. And I, I think that's key about the four weeks, maybe just staggering. So you know, uh-huh. the bivalent uh, booster for kids 5 to 11 is available starting December 21st. So just being mindful if you're going to get your, your flu shot for the kids as well, just uh, making sure that you're staggering that. Always a pleasure, Dr. Nadia, talking with you. <laughs> so fun. Thank you, Maggie. And your sports <laughs> analogies, fun. always helpful. <laughs> I got there in the end by generalizing. You did. You were determined. <laughs> Have a great week. Thanks again. You take care. That, that was Dr. Nadia Allen, family doctor and past president of the Ontario Medical Association and contributor here at Toronto this weekend. You are listening to 640 Toronto.